chapter 13 from chapter verse 1 to verse 7, Paul instructed believers to submit to authorities. You know, a lot of believers, especially in this day and age, in, in our democracy, if you may, is that we think that we should only submit to just authority. But do you realize that the authority that Paul spoke about here is not the just authority. They are the Romans' authorities. They are not just. They were cruel. They were unjust. And the emperors, they were crazy half the time, you know. And some of them, some of those emperors even would capture Christians and split their heads into half and pour wax over it and make them a human candle. And they would throw them into an into a, into arena and let animals eat them alive for entertainment. This is how crazy the authorities were. Yet Paul the Apostle said that we have to subject ourselves to the government authorities. For there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God. I know in our culture we always would oppose all those authorities that do not impose our moral value on society. We, we, you know, I understand that every believer who living in this country, we have a duty and a right to exercise exercise our, our democratic rights, that is to go for election, to elect the people that you want to elect. But I tell you this, when you see the government that you didn't want to elect being elected, it is not your job or my job to criticize them, to bash them, to come against them. It is your job and my job to pray for them and submit to them. Unless they tell you to, to do things, for example, you know, in the past, you know, uh, we, we work with the government for summer jobs and, and for to hire students. But one year they say, oh, you have to attest to the fact that, you know, you have to agree with our policy of abortion and homosexuality. Well, we took a stand. We said, well, thank you so much, but no thanks. So we rejected, you know, we, we, we told them we don't need their money. And so we operated without their money. But it doesn't mean that I'm enemy with them. The member of parliament in this area is a good friend of mine. You know, I pray for for them every time I see him I told him I'm praying for you I would text him sometimes and say I'm praying for you I'm believing that God is going to change you and I joke with him sometimes you know I say I'm going to convert you he's a he's a secular Muslim you know and so he's not a practicing Muslim but a secular I always joke with him I say I'm going to convert you and he said just give me two years I said I don't have the time for two years I need to convert you right now you know and he go ha 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 but I was serious you know he just you know he but anyways I laughed together with him but you know we believers sometimes have this warped idea about authorities. And so we only submit to the people that we like. And, you know, we want government to impose our moral value on other people. That's dictatorship. That happens in Saudi Arabia. It shouldn't happen here. Are you here this morning? You know, in the democracy, it is not the government that leads the moral direction of the country. You know who leads it? It's the people. We, you know, we have the government we have because the majority of the people in this country decided that that's the direction, our moral, um, that's the moral direction we want to go. And so they elect the government that they elect. Whether you like it or not, we need to pray for the wisdom of God on them and submit to them because it's for our own peace and good, the Bible says. If they make the wrong decision, we're all going to suffer for it. Yes, we pray for the salvation, but we don't hate them. We don't bash them. You know, I know it's not a very popular stand. You know, I know many of our believers have been taught in churches that we always suppose. And we, you know, it's good to speak your mind. It's good to, to share your opinion. But there's a big difference between share your mind and speak your mind than being negative and bashing the governments. 
you do what you do to, do, to, to, to elect the right people you want. But if you really want the moral direction of this country to change, it's going to happen from the politicians. They're just representation of the majority of the people. You don't want them to dictate the moral direction of this country because they will be a dictator. You don't want that. And the only way that's going to happen is that you and I pray for a grassroots revival in this country from coast to coast to coast. That's the only way to change. This, you know, I appreciate all those people, very active, you know, those activists, you know, Christian activists, you know. And they, they, even now I've been receiving email, you know, wanting churches to get mobilized to support a certain party. I don't want to be part of that. Because as soon as I'm a part of any political party, I have drawn the line to say to the rest of the world, I'm not interested in you. So till today, nobody knows what party I prefer. And sometimes I don't want to express it because I know Christians are nasty. You know, Christians are very nasty. You know, the other day, um, I, I, you know, I, I share with, I show the leaders. You know, the other day, I was, um, I, uh, I got a call on Monday, um, two weeks ago. Um, the member of parliament in this area, you know, he's, uh, he's a good friend of mine. We talk all the time. And, and it, you know, he, he called me and I wasn't in the office. And so Sister Pauline texted me and said, you better call him. It sounds like it's really urgent. You know, the first thing I thought about was, I think he's got cancer. You know, that was my. So I started speaking tongue. You know, Lord, I pray to you, heal him of his cancer, whatever. And then, then I thought, okay, maybe his he got marital strife. Oh Lord, I pray that you fix his marriage. I never even called him. You know, I was just praying. You know, having my own imagination, just go wow, right? And I called him up. I said, what's up? You know, he gave me his cell phone. He said, what's up? He's, he said, hey, listen, uh, Prime Minister is meeting with twenty business leaders here. I, I need you to be there. I want you to be there. Can you come? I was like, this is my off day, buddy, you know. <laughs> so I was, okay, I said, oh, sure, I'll be there. I'd love to be there. And so while I was driving there, this is, this is the fourth time I'm meeting with a prime minister, right. So every, every time when I was, was invited to meet with the prime minister, I have all these amazing ideas about, you know, laying hands on people, praying, you know, shaka, you know, just. And then every time I would meet them, I would be tongue-tied. like, hello. The Lord bless you, you know. You know. <laughs> So this time I was driving the car, you know, I saw this amazing imagination, how I lay my hands on him and he, he'd be touched by the power of God. Shandai, he started to pray in tongues or whatever. You know, we can always have imagination, yes? So anyway, so I was invited to this room, all these 20 business people, the food there, you know. I was thinking to myself, how am I going to do this? And you know, everybody just want to have a piece of him, right? So it was, 20, it was a small room and not too many people, which is great. So I've decided, okay, I'm going to bring a photographer of myself, <laughs> Shandai. So I came here, I was looking for Hector, he wasn't around, you know. And so his wife was here and I was like, Angel, come with me, we're going to meet with the Prime Minister. So she was really excited. And anyways, we met him, he was in the room and he came over and I, I, we, we had some, I had my hand, I laid my hands on him, believe it or not. And I was surprised that the Secret Service or CISA, whatever, that protected him didn't jump on me because, you know, it was like Shandai, you know. And, um, and uh, so uh, Andrews took some pictures. I was so tempted, you know, it's like, you know, there wasn't a selfie. It was just a, a picture of me praying with him. And, you know, I didn't want to put it up. You know why? Because I know if I put it up, all my evangelical, charismatic, Pentecostal friends will persecute me. If I put up Harper, which I did, it was like, oh, good for you, whatever, right? Although not everybody was very kind, uh, we even have relatives telling me that, you know, like, why didn't you deck him, you know, when I was, I, the people can't please everybody. But anyway, so, uh, 
So I didn't want to put it up because I know that we have a thinking among us evangelical is that if government does not impose our value on the populace at large, population at large, they are our enemy. According to this word here, we are to subject to them. In fact, in other scriptures, we are to pray for them. Do we have an agreement this morning? Come on, come on, let's praise the Lord. So in the same vein, Paul the Apostle spoke about, hey, not only are you subject to them, but you got to pay your taxes. I know a lot of people are trying to avoid taxes and their loopholes, their provision, bless God, you know. And listen, if you, if you give to this church, you got charitable, you know, donate a receipt that will help cut your taxes down, whatever, and use those provision, but never cheat the government. You know, I know a lot of so-called spiritual people had, 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 had somehow convinced themselves that they could cheat the government. You know, there was this gentleman in this church here. They were part of this church before. And, and in fact, what, what an integral part of this church. And, and uh, this gentleman was in the worship team, you know. And uh, he, he had decided to leave this church because of this message of grace. And because of, of the fact that they want to observe the strict Sabbath law. And all the other law of Moses. They don't want us to celebrate Christmas, Easter, the birthday because they are paganistic. They are from the Babylonian whatever thing. And, you know, they have all this, all this theories. I'm sure you've heard of that before. And they say they're all from demons and whatever. And so they say, well, let's celebrate all the feasts, all the new moons and whatnot. And so they left this church. They started the little group just down the street. Don't go there. <laughs> Started a little group just down the street. That was, that was like some number of years ago, almost almost eight eight nine years ago. And uh, that that leader, you know, he himself get himself circumcised. You know, this this grown man, you know, almost forty years old, he got himself circumcised. You know, totally want to observe the law in bondage, I believe. And then I found out about something that he was so proud of. He wanted to make sure that if he got love offering, it's in cash. And then he has a certain talents and gifts. So whenever he used that gifts, he wants people to pay him cash. You know why? Because he doesn't want the government to know about it so that he can continue to receive a welfare check every month. That's cheating the government. How is it that people who are so insisting on observing the law have justified themselves that they could do this? This is thou shall not steal is one of the law. The Bible says if you have violated one of the laws, you violated all the laws. So in other words, all those little rigmarole and all the restriction they have on themselves is actually, as far as the Bible is concerned, absolutely useless. They're cheating the government. They say, well, they're not just government. Therefore, no, according to this, you subject yourself to them. They steal the authority from God. Can I hear an Amen. And so pay the taxes you need to pay. Pay the fees you need to pay. The Bible says in chapter uh, 13, verse 8, says, Owe no one anything. Let's say it again. Owe no one anything. Except what? To love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Listen, you want to observe the law? Paul the apostle says, don't worry about it. All you need to do is to love. Because he explains later on is that when you love, 
your neighbors, you're not going to steal from your neighbors. When you love your neighbors, you're not going to murder your neighbor. When you love your neighbor, you're not going to have false witness of your neighbor. In fact, let's read it. For the commandments, verse 9. You see, for the commandments, you shall not commit adultery. You see, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to sleep with your neighbor's wife, Shandai. Hello. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You say, I don't love the government. You love everybody, man. You shall not covet. Do you know what that is? Your neighbor got a bigger car. You want to covet. But if you love your neighbor, you will rejoice with his brand new car. Brand shining, spanking new car. Hallelujah. Rather than getting all jealous, you know. You say, praise God, you know. Sometimes I see, oh, some of the new cars being driven in the parking lot, you know. I just like, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm good for them. Good on them. Hallelujah. You know, if you love your neighbor, you're not going to covet. Or any other commandment. Everybody say, any other commandments. Any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You want to obey the law? Love your neighbor as yourself. In fact, Jesus said the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. If you love God, you're not going to be an idolater. You're not going to be worshiping other gods, other money, whatever. Everything must be motivated by love. You see, the law is all motivated by fear. But grace is always motivated by love. When you are motivated by love, you do anything and everything. In fact, it's harder to live in grace than live in law. Because if you live in law, you can be selfish. Because the law never said, thou shalt not be selfish. Hello. But grace says you have to love. You have to be generous. Oh, no, anybody but the love of God. Now, from verse 11 to 14, Paul then pivoted to another point. It's kind of like a flow of thoughts, but he pivoted. And he teaches about believers ought to cast away the sinful lifestyle because Jesus was coming back soon and is coming back soon. So, you know, the purpose, oh, you know, this grace message is that you can, you can be, you know, permissive, whatever. That could not be further from the truth. The most powerful grace message is a message that under grace, without any effort on your own, you can actually live in holiness and righteousness of God. And so Paul is saying, you know, verse 14, put on the Lord Jesus Christ, make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Now, how do you make provision or make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires? Because I tell you this, if you make provision, doesn't matter what kind of discipline you have, you will fail. If you make provision for the flesh, doesn't matter if you're trying to observe the law, trying to go toko turkey, you will still fail. How is it that you can make no provision for the flesh? Well, if you remember what I preached about several weeks ago in Romans chapter 8, verse 5, you can pull that up. This is the way that you make no provision for the flesh. For those who live according to the flesh 
They set their minds on the things of the flesh. How do you make provision for their flesh? You set your minds on the things of the flesh. It is the intention of the devil, the enemy of our soul, to always distract us, to stay focused on the things of the world, on the things of the flesh. If you stay focused on the things of the flesh, doesn't matter what kind of law you're trying to observe, what kind of discipline you try to cultivate, you will not have victory because now your mind is set on the things of the flesh. And by the way, this book, Romans chapter 8 verse 5, is also talking about the flesh in the law. If you try to observe the law, you're setting your mind on the flesh because the law is the flesh thing. So if you want to set your mind, you, you don't want to make provision for the flesh, don't set your mind on the law, don't set your mind on the things of the world, don't set your mind on all the religious rigmarole, don't set your mind on, the, on, on whatever distraction the devil may have in terms of lust, temptation and whatnot. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. For those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. One of the best ways to set your mind on the things of the Spirit is really to pray in the Spirit. I'll tell you this. When I first started praying in the Spirit, you know, I still have a lot of struggles, you know. In the old days, I feel condemned. I'll say, oh, this thing of the Spirit is useless because, you know, like I'm praying in the Spirit and the next thing you know, I'm tempted by whatever. Something pop out on my screen, sure, right? So, you know, I, I, you know, I, I said, well, why is it I don't have victory? But, you know, it is not a momentarily thing when you set your mind on the Spirit. It takes time and it takes discipline. If you set your mind on the Spirit, you pray in the Spirit half an hour, just half an hour a day, you will see a huge difference in your thinking and behavior and even your desire. Nobody's going to tell you anything. It changes by itself. Why? Because now you're setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. When you set your mind on the things of the Spirit, you're going to move in the Spirit. Not only you're not going to have dirty thoughts or whatever, but you're going to see yourself having faith. You know, you're going to have more faith. You know, when you set your mind on the Spirit, it's reading the Word of God too. After you pray for half an hour in the Spirit or before half an hour in the Spirit, you read the Word of God. You have a discipline every day to make sure that there's a chapter of the Word of God. Don't just, don't just read it and forget about it. Just say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Teach me something. Give me a revelation. And the Holy Spirit can do that. And when you set your mind on the Spirit, I tell you, your desire will change, will shift. Your perspective will shift. Your, everything around you will shift. That's how you have victory. That's how you're not making provision for your flesh. Let me ask you this question. What is, how, what is the percentage of your time a day you give to the Spirit? And what is the percentage of time a day you give to the flesh? You do your own math. You should be able to conclude very easily why some of us are struggling. I'm not asking you to be religious, by the way. Please don't. And don't feel condemned. This is not, you know, if I, if I make you feel condemned, I'm so sorry. It's not my intention. There's therefore now no condemnation. You should not feel condemned. But I just want to encourage you. You know, if you don't feel healthy, you know, in the Spirit, I encourage you to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. You know, a lot of us make our career decision, uh, sorry, our moving decision. I was just having a conversation just now. Um, it's, it's not for you, okay? But, but, you know, the person I was talking to. We, a lot of times we make a moving decision, move from one city to another, based on our career. But you know how you can be blessed? You make a decision not out of career opportunities, but out of the call of God. There's this brother in this church, you know, I shared this story before, you know, some 20 years ago, you know, we just started the church, you know. And uh, he plays a very critical role. He's still here, praise God. 
And then he got a job from a high-tech company. He got laid off from one high-tech company in the city, you know. And then he got a job offer uh, from the same office, from the same company in the head office that he would need to go to California. More money paying in U.S. dollar. Mula mula. He called me up. You see, I don't talk to people like that all the time unless I feel like I have the freedom to speak and speak and minister to them. He called me up. He said, what do you think? And you know, I, 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 just, I just found the courage and boldness. I said, brother, I, I don't know. I said, whatever you do, don't make a decision out of this opportunity. Because God is going to bless you. He's going to bless you so much if you follow his calling. And I say, as your pastor, I believe that your place right now is here in Toronto. But don't take my word for it. You pray and you decide. The next day he told me, he turned down, or next day or next week, and he turned down the job. And then when he said that, I was a bit afraid. Because I said, oh, goodness me, Lord, if he doesn't find a job in the next year and he go broke, I'll be all, you'll blame me. The whole family will blame me. He's got like five, six miles to feed, Shandai. I was so concerned, you know. But the next thing you know, he got a really nice job, pays more. And the bonus part is that he commutes now from his bedroom to the basement every day. Isn't God good? And then over the years, you know, they got bigger house. They moved from a condo to a big home. As if there wasn't enough, they went to a bigger homes, you know. Praise God. You know, we don't follow our flesh or the circumstance to determine our life. You set your minds on the things of the Spirit. You know, I was telling a brother this morning, I said there are people that I know in this church that have moved from another town or city to, to North York area, even around the city because of this church. Now, they got that right. They set their mind on the things of the Spirit. I want to encourage you, if you don't want to make provision for the flesh, set your minds on the things of the Spirit. Go according to where the Spirit of God leads. Now, in chapter 14, Paul the Apostle pivoted again, but not really. He's now talking about the two different groups of people in the church. Remember, when we first started the study of the book of Romans, I told you that in the church of, in the, in the Romans church, there are two groups of people. They're the Jews who are believers, who observed the law, were very diligent in observing the law. And then those were the Gentiles who could not care less about the law, law, so they don't observe the law. So these two groups were fighting about, you know, what to eat, what not to eat, and what, what days to observe, and, and rules to observe. And, and, and on top of all that, some of the Gentiles were vegans or vegetarian. See, this is not a new thing. And so those vegetarians, they would... They were so proud about the fact that they don't eat meat. So they despise the people who eat meat. Like our days. You know those vegetarians, they despise us. Are you here this morning? And then those of us who eat meat, we despise the vegetarian too, Shandai. Like, oh, fools, you know, I love my red steak, Shandai. So we despise each other. So Paul the Apostle is trying to tell them, don't despise each other. Whatever they believe, don't despise them. Verse 4. He says, actually verse 1. Let's read verse 1 so we have context. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. I tell you, whether you are vegans, vegetarians, or what do you call it? Those people eat seafood and not eat uh, meat. 
Pescatarians. Pescatarian? Pes pescatarian. Sounds like Presbyterian, but Pescatarian. Pescatarian. You know, um, you know, why did I even go? Anyways. So we, you know, all of us are going to heaven. You can have steak every day. You're going to go to heaven. Maybe sooner, Shandai, but whatever. <laughs> but you know, we're all going to heaven. So don't quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat, eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Oh, I think some of the vegetarians get offended now. What do you mean? You're calling me weak? Whatever. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one, on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. Now verse 4. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Do you realize that all our brothers and sisters are servants of God? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are the servant of God. Do you know that we are all servants of God? We have no right to judge somebody else's servant. So Paul is saying, who are you to judge somebody else's sermon? Yeah, this church, I said it all the time. I want to create a judgment-free zone in this church. Do I have an agreement? The people that don't want, they left the church already. Hallelujah. We love them anyways. You know, when people come to you ever to criticize about somebody else's dressing, you know, they criticize pastor's shoes is too white, Shandai, right? Oh, glory to God, you know. They criticize, you know, they criticize another brother or sister, you know, how they dress, how they talk. I want to deputize and authorize you to tell them to shut up. Let's not have anyone have feeling comfortable to judge anybody in this church. In fact, we should make them feel super uncomfortable. And if they want to continue, they have to leave. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Let's not judge people, how, what they wear, what they believe, the opinions, you know. Let's just love one another. I'll tell you this. You cannot judge another person for another reason. It's because if, if, if you walk in that person's shoes for a mile, if you walk a mile in the person's shoes, you will probably not judge them because you know why they become how they become or what they become. Come on. What we see is so limited. What we know is so limited. You don't know the person's life. You don't know why he or she behaves that way. So we need to have lots of understanding, lots of love. Especially when you go to small groups, you see. Just love on people. Would you do that? Don't shun them. Oh, you're different from me. Love people and don't judge them because they are the servant of God. It is before his own master, there will be Jesus himself, that he stands or falls. And he will be upheld for the Lord is able to make him stand. Verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So, if you remember anything at all today, remember this. Please don't judge. For those of you watching on television, you worry about walking into church, that people are going to judge you. May I encourage you to come to Willowdale Community Christian Assembly, 172 Drury Avenue, North York, Toronto, M2M1E4, Shandai, and go to Willowdale.com. I want to guarantee you, everybody here agree with me that we're not going to judge you. 
you won't even feel that hallelujah come on and the ones that want to judge we are telling them to leave this church right now let's just see who is leaving <laughs> glory to God now not only are we not going to judge people now sometimes you see uh, our, our character is that okay now we understand we don't judge people and so we all have liberty and freedom yes but do you realize that there will be new Christians, Christians that may have just come out of a very ritualistic and legalistic church. They are still very sensitive in that area. We too must be sensitive to them. Because they're struggling with the idea of freedom. Do you realize that not a lot of churches preach freedom like we preach freedom? I'm not judging them. I'm just saying that's the reality. And so when people come into this church, they feel very, sometimes, especially those uh, people who come from a very legalistic background, they would feel a little bit uncomfortable coming in. Well, let's not judge them either, especially new believers. Not only do we not judge them, this is what Paul the Apostle says in verse 13. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on another any longer, but rather what? Decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. So you think that you are free to drink? You know, another brother says, you know, I, I would, I, you know, I came from an alcoholic family. I'm an alcoholic. I just got, you know, I just been dry for the last, you know, six months, you know. You don't want to take him to your house and just crack open the beer or, or some wine. And say, praise the Lord, have victory in Jesus' name. That's a stumbling block. In fact, Jesus even said this, if you are a stumbling block even to the youngest one, it would be better if there's a millstone tied on your neck and thrown into the river or the water. <laughs> what? We don't want to be a stumbling block. Let not your liberty be a stumbling block to other people. You know, if you like to eat pork and somebody say, oh, you know, well, you know, don't order pork chops when you go out with them. Or pork loins chop, or I love, anyways. <laughs> you know, my favorite meat is actually not pork. And my wife would tell you that I, pork is the last thing. It's not for religious reason. I just don't like it. Some of you like it. Bless you. Have more of it, right? But you know, I don't like it. I, love it. I like fish. That's my number one meat. Hallelujah. I can eat fish every day, all day long, morning to night. Just eat fish. Raw fish, cooked fish, all kinds of fish. Hallelujah. Yeah, I love fish. Smoke fish, whatever, actually, it's my, anyways. But then you know, my second choice is beef. I love beef. Yummy yeah, me, beef. You know, steak. I love, I love those roast beef, you know. Anyways, but my, and then chicken. And the last choice, really, last, last to the very bottom of the bottom, after lobsters and crabs and everything, at the very bottom is pork. But if you're the person who loves pork, and you know a brother who's, you know, very, come from a very legalistic background, be sensitive to that. Don't go have a pork chop festival, whatever, right? Are you here this morning? Because we don't live for ourselves. In verse 17, the Word of God says, oh, sorry, sorry, verse, four, verse 13. For the king, let's go to verse 13 again, sorry. Sorry, Graham. Therefore, let us not pass judgment or put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Next verse, 14. I know and I'm persuaded that in the Lord Jesus, there is nothing is unclean in itself. So if you didn't know that this scripture exists, you go ahead and have your lobster, your pork chop, you know, whatever. But 
check this, it is unclean for anyone who thinks it's unclean. So don't force them because you're making them eating unclean things in their mind. Verse 15, for if a brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Remember we're going to walk in love, yes? By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. Now this is a key verse, verse 17, you all know that. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It is true. Nevertheless, we like party, right? Three people, all right. I'll eat myself, thank you. But the kingdom of God is not just about drinking and eating. So don't debate about that. Because the kingdom of God is righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. You know what righteousness is? not your own righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus. You don't earn your righteousness. It's right. You, you, know, you speak to people, you say, I, I believe in the righteousness of God that is free of charge. You can have it right now. We're all righteous as Jesus if you just receive Him. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. When people finish having an interaction with you, do they feel like they have the righteousness of God or they feel condemned? When people finish having interaction with you, do they feel the peace of God or they feel all disturbed in their heart? When the people finish having fellowship and interaction with you, do they have the joy of the Lord or are they going to be as sorrow as you are? I pray that in this house, we become agents. Every single individual become agent of righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. Everyone who interact with us, they will receive or they will have the understanding or they'll be reminded of the righteousness they have in Jesus and that they'll have the peace of God and the joy of God in the Holy Spirit. Let us be the goal in this house as opposed to feeling judged, condemned, guilty. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So, let, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual Upbuilding. Everybody say mutual upbuilding. In this house, I pray that everybody and those of you watching on the tele, on, on, vid, on video, I pray that if you want to be part of this house, you make a decision that you will pursue peace and mutual uplifting when you come to this church. Amen. Can I have an agreement? Hallelujah. Now I'm going to finish with this verse 22. The faith that you have... Keep between yourself and God. If you have faith in eating pork, whatever, keep between you and your God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. This is very key. Oh, okay, let's go on by 23. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because the eating is not from faith. So there are people that actually absolutely believe and therefore they judge themselves. But the Bible says, blessed are those that don't judge themselves. I want to encourage you not to judge yourself. I want to encourage you that you need to know that God has approved of you. Not because of what you've done, because of what Jesus had done. And so don't pass judgment on yourself. He said, blessed is the one. How many of you want to be blessed? I say, how many of you want to be blessed? He said, blessed is the one who has no reason to put judgment on himself. 
So I want to encourage you, not only do you not pass judgment on other people, don't pass judgment on yourself. You say, you know, but I've been told I need to examine your heart. Examine your heart doesn't mean passing judgment on yourself. Examine your heart means you just rethink what you've done and whatever. You come before the Lord, you examine. It is for your own purpose and own good. But it, do, it, it should not put you under condemnation, should not put you under judgment. Are you here? So don't judge yourself. Now he's talking about food now. He said, but he, whoever doubts is condemned if he eats because his eating is not of faith. And this is, I'm going to finish with this. For whatever does not proceed from faith. Everybody say whatever. What is whatever to you? Whatever is whatever, right? Whatever, whatever. Whatever is everything. He said, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Here in this context, it's talking about eating. If you cannot eat with faith, don't do it because you're going to sin. Wow. But you have the faith to say, hey man, I can eat pork loin chops to Jesus come home every day. You have the faith, praise God. Now, when the Bible says whatever, it means whatever. It includes every spiritual things we do. And, and one of the most sensitive things in church is giving. And I've been to churches, my wife and I have been to churches that we feel so composed, so forced to give. And when you give not out of faith, not only are you not going to be blessed, you actually fall into sin. Some people say, Pastor, please don't preach that. You're going to have nothing coming into the church. Right? I'm not afraid of that because this house is provided by the Lord. Come on, three people agree. For however long you've been part of this church, have you ever heard me raise one cent of money? Have I ever come to you and say, oh, you know, we really, really need you to help out because we're going to close our doors. You know, every month we have literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of expenses. If we don't believe in God, we'd have closed shop a long time ago. Especially Savraman. Look around you. Everybody's on holiday. So when they go on holiday, they forget about giving too. <laughs> no condemnation, sunlight, no judgment. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you the facts. You know, I was at the uh, store yesterday, totally digressing. And, uh, you know, um, people are actually quite... You know, this the story that actually helped us to put the lights together, whatever. And, and, um, and so, you know, we're talking about, you know, we have two services. And they say, oh, you know, the church I'm part of, we close down in the summer, which is quite normal. I say, oh, I just, I just can't imagine we do that, right? But, you know, I can, I can imagine that, you know, because sometimes it's very discouraging for the pastor. You know, we pastors, we do not like to preach to empty pews. It's very discouraging. Every time I see an empty pews, it takes a little bit out of my heart. So if you love me, bring all your friends next week, okay? <laughs> then it will not hurt me. <laughs> Sorry. I can understand that. I can understand why, you know, um, uh, people, people don't give, people don't attend church. And, but, you know, we cannot operate out of flesh, Especially when we are absolutely believing in God under grace. 
and under rest. And so if you don't have the faith to give, you should withhold from it. I'm very serious. I'm so glad that many of you have discovered the power of tithing. I know a year ago we started this program and it's still on if you want to be part of it. Is that we will give you three months guarantee that if you tithe three months, nothing happened to your finances. We give all your money back in writing. What church in the city does that? I'm not trying to brag, but I'm trying to show you that we have to operate in faith. So the reason we do that guarantee is because I'm trying to teach and help the weaker ones in faith to literally step in faith. And some, of, some people had taken up the opportunity months ago or a year ago, and they have never asked for a refund. You know why? Because it's working. Three people agree. Come on. So if you give by faith, you will see amazing results. I can testify to you for that because my family and I, we, 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 we tithe, we give. And, and you know, you ask my daughter and my son, every single time they got money, it's like, where's the tithe? <laughs> you say, well, that's compulsion. Because they're my kids. I can do that. But everything we do must do in faith. If you don't have the faith, don't let people force you. Yeah? If you don't have the faith to eat pork, don't let me force you. If you don't have faith to eat lobsters, don't let me force you. But I have the faith that when I pray for the lobster, the cholesterol leave the body, right? I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have that faith, actually. Worship team, can you come up? Did you learn something this morning? Hallelujah.